Thank you, gentlemen. Excellent. Take your Bibles this morning. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter number 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to look at a few verses right at the end of the chapter. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 15 through 17. The Bible says in verse 15 of 1 Samuel 7, And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house. And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. Life is a marathon of mastered monotony. Life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon of mastered monotony. We naturally look forward to the big days, the big moments, the big events of our life. There are things that obviously are monumentous in our life. Our salvation, boy, that's a big day. I hope you think back to that often. You think back to the day that you got saved. That's a momentous event in your life. It changes everything. It's a watershed moment. And we look forward when people get saved in a service or we get to lead them to Christ at their door. That's a, a big day. It's an important day in their life. The day that you surrender to God. That's a momentous decision. When you say, Lord, I take my hands off of my life and I give it to you and God begins to give you direction, leads you to perhaps ministry or whatever the case might be, you surrender. That's an important day. Your marriage, that'll be a big day. That'll be a momentous event. And uh, some of you are planning that day right now. Others of you are planning it without a partner yet, but you're, you're thinking about it, right? And that's a big day. It's an important day. It's a day that really changes your life in, in so many ways. Of course, when you have children, there's something about bringing another life into this life that's pretty special. Those are important days, the big days of life. But mastered monotony has the potential to become a momentous miracle. The big days, yeah, they're there and they're kind of few and far between, really. But mastering the monotonous, mastering those days that nothing's really happening, mastering the disciplines in those days has the potential to become a great miracle. How, are, how excited are you about the days that aren't exciting? It's easy to get excited about the days that are exciting. You know, we were all excited about, you know, the leadership conference, or we might be excited about a, a volleyball game tonight, or we might be excited about, you know, some special speaker that's coming to chapel, or hopefully you're getting excited about the fall banquet week from tonight. Uh, big days, exciting times. But how excited are you about the days that aren't exciting? 
Cal Ripken Jr. is a name that is known by baseball fans everywhere. But if you look at the statistics of Cal Ripken's career, they don't really tell the whole story. Ripken, in his Major League Baseball career, um, his stats are, are really not that impressive, I suppose we could say. He uh, has a lifetime batting average of 276. Good, but not exceptional. We would consider 300 to be kind of the benchmark of a batting average that would be good, excellent. 276. He had 431 home runs. It's a lot of home runs. But compared to someone like Albert Pujols, who hit 700 this year, just a few days ago, 431 is not that impressive. He batted in 695 runners, 1,695 RBIs. He struck out 1,305 times in his career. He walked 1,129 times. His OPS, if you know anything about statistics in baseball, if somebody's at 1,000 in their OPS, that's, that's exceptional, that's really great. Ripken's lifetime OPS was 788. So when you look at those stats on the back of a baseball card of Cal Ripken Jr., that wouldn't impress you. I mean, it's good, it's a great career, but it, it, it's not like, you know, wow. You know what's great about Cal Ripken Jr.? He played 21 seasons. He made 19 all-star teams in those 21 seasons. His most notable statistic, however, is that Cal Ripken Jr. played in 2,632 games in a row. 2,632 games without missing a game. Now, there's 162 games in a season. So I got out my calculator. That's 16 plus seasons without missing a game. Never took a day off to rest. Never had an injury that kept him out of the lineup. Just think about that. If you follow sports at all, you know that nobody does that. Nobody, nobody makes it through a whole season. One season without missing a game, without some kind of an injury that would keep them out. Not Cal Ripken. He's known as the Iron Man of sports. 16 plus years. Do you, do you suppose every game was exciting? Suppose he went into every one of those games thinking, man, this is the day I'm going to hit a home run. Man, this is the day I'm going to make the spectacular play at shortstop. This is the, this is the, no. There were probably games at the end of the season where the Orioles were completely out of the pennant chase. The game didn't matter whether they won or lost. They were too many games behind to catch any, any opportunity to be in the postseason. These games were worthless. But Cal Ripken played. And he played at a high level. 16 straight seasons of never missing a game. 
How excited are you about the unexciting? I think about Samuel. Samuel never killed a giant. He uh, never called down fire out of heaven. He never built a temple. He never um, won a war. But Samuel, though he does nothing special or spectacular, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 25 and verse 1, and Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house in Ramah. So again, even his death was not a big deal. He dies, people mourn, they're sad, and they bury him. Yet in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, and what shall I more say, for time would fail to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah or David or Samuel. Samuel makes the Hall of Fame. Samuel gets into that great chapter of these people who had this massive faith. How in the world did he get there? He, he never does anything like David killing Goliath or Joshua uh, seeing the walls of Jericho fall down. He, he's not like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who walked out of a fiery furnace uh, unharmed. He's not like Daniel who spent a night in a lion's den. I mean, there's no spectacular moments in Samuel's life. How in the world does God consider him one of the greatest? I want you to see this morning from these three verses at the end of a chapter, three boring characteristics of Samuel's life. Three boring characteristics. I first see the characteristic, uh, characteristic of resilience, of resilience. Look at verse 15 again. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. All the days of his life. Just like Cal Ripken who put on that uniform every day for 16 straight years. Just like Cal Ripken went through batting practice and, and fielding practice and did the same things over and over and over and over and over again in games that at times were meaningless, in other games that perhaps had potential of being big games, but Cal Ripken just did it over and over and over, and here is Samuel doing what God called him to do all the days of his life. We all want to preach on Pentecost. We all want to slay a Goliath. We all want to graduate and go out and walk out of a fiery furnace someday and be able to stand up and give our testimony of how God delivered us from the lion's mouth. But God is looking for the person who is in the lineup every day. God's not looking for the student who is just going to show up on the big day. God's not looking for the, the, the Christian who's just going to serve when it's exciting. He's looking for you that are willing to be in that lineup every day. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 
Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man, who can find? God can find all kinds of people that'll proclaim the big day and proclaim, hey, here's how God used me, and, and, and look at this that was accomplished, and, and, and those men are a dime a dozen. God's looking for that person who's being faithful. Because the faithful man, Proverbs 28, verse 20, shall abound with blessing. You see, God has the ability to turn the boring into a beautiful blessing. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When I was in college, they introduced the preacher one day. His name was evangelist Phil Schuler. Phil Schuler traveled the country in preaching meetings and and I had, I had heard about his ministry. I don't think I'd ever heard him preach prior to this particular chapel service. I had read a book or two of his sermons and classes. I had, I'd, I'd known about his life a little bit, but I, I'd never heard him in person. I heard he was a great preacher. And we were excited as he came to chapel that day. And, and I, I'll never forget his message. Now, I've heard a lot of messages. And some of them I remember and some of them I forget. But I'll never forget Phil Schuler's message that day. He talked about not quitting. That was the, the foundation of his message. That was what he was trying to get across to us, to just keep at it, to stay with it. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't, don't quit school. Don't quit the ministry. Don't quit on your calling. He was, he was uh, preaching about that. And shortly into the message, he, he used an illustration about the wolverine. Now, I grew up in Wisconsin. I don't think we have any wolverines in Wisconsin. We, we might. I, I, I never saw one. I know the Michigan wolverines over Michigan, you know, they, I've never seen a wolverine in Michigan either, but the Michigans are the wolverines. If you follow University of Michigan sports. So maybe there are wolverines in Michigan. I don't know. In fact, I don't know that I've ever seen a wolverine other than in a zoo. So I didn't know a thing about wolverines, but Dr. Schuler began to talk about these wolverines. And he shared with us how the Wolverine doesn't have a lot of characteristics that just wow you. In other words, if you saw one, you wouldn't be necessarily intimidated by it. In fact, it would probably run away from you. If you got into a tangle with a Wolverine, they, they don't have a ferocious bark like a dog might or some animal that could scare you by some noise. They don't have quills like a porcupine or a scent like a skunk. They don't have anything about them really that you would fear. They don't run fast. They're not quick. They can't climb. Wolverine is really kind of nondescript, Dr. Schuler said. But he said a Wolverine, when it gets on a hunt, it never quits until it catches the prey. And it'll go after something that's a lot faster and a lot stronger and a lot more durable. And that prey may outrun them for a while. They may outsmart them. They may be able to go somewhere where the wolverine can't get, but the wolverine never gives up. He just keeps plotting. And Dr. Schuler proceeded to do this for the next 45 minutes of his sermon. I'll never forget it. It's in my head. That rabbit runs ahead, 
crawls down a hole, Wolverine. Just keeps going. He's going to get that rabbit. He never stops. He never quits. Until he gets the prey. The Christian life is not always a big day. The Christian life is not always a conference. The Christian life has days where nothing seems to be happening. But Samuel has a characteristic of resilience. You know, you could, I, I could ask this morning, who, who's one of your heroes in the Bible? And we just started shouting out some names. I, I'm sure there'd be names like Noah, or there'd be names like Abraham, or there'd be names like Paul, or Peter, or John the Baptist, or Daniel. We've mentioned some of them already this morning. We'd, we'd have names in the Bible that just kind of leap off the page, that stand out because of some great event in their life. I mean, you say David and, and we say Goliath. We say, you know, Jonah and the whale. And there are these big events in their life that characterize their, their testimony. I don't know if anybody would yell out the name Caleb. Now, Caleb's a well-known Bible character. But there's really only one thing that would stand out about Caleb, and that was, right? I mean, he's a spy. He's one of the 12 spies. Do you know the other names of the spies? Well, you probably know Joshua, but you don't know the other 10. You know, 10 were bad, two were good. That's about all you know. We don't know the names of the spies. We don't remember them. We read their names in the scripture. We don't, we don't remember them, but they go in, they spy out the land, they come back, and the 10 give an evil report to Joshua and, or to Moses and, and Joshua and Caleb. They said, no, we can do it. We can take it. God's on our side, etc." And of course, they got outvoted. And, and so time passes. A lot of time passes. A lot of time passes. 45 years pass. And all of a sudden we find Caleb again at 85, saying, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength as it was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. For 45 years, nothing spectacular happens. In fact, they're wandering through the wilderness. They're not seeing daily miracles and awesome, they're not hearing awesome preaching and, and awesome uh, 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 things happening around them. But Caleb keeps going on until one day he's given that mountain. The characteristic of resilience. Decide right now that resilience is one of those characteristics you want in your life. But notice secondly, the characteristic of routine. Now look at verse 16. And he, Samuel, went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places, and his return was to 
Ramah. So here's Samuel in circuit, year after year after year after year after year, like Cal Ripken, who day after day after day for 16 years puts on those spikes, puts on that uniform, puts on his cap. He goes out four hours before the game and gets ready, plays the game just like that. Samuel, year after year after year after year, goes from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah to Ramah, back to Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, Ramah, back to Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, Ramah. Sounds boring. The characteristic of routine. If you wanted to know where Samuel was, all you had to do is is say, well, where was he last? Well, I saw him in Bethel. Well, then he's in Gilgal. Because he always goes from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah and Ramah. And then back to Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah and Ramah. So if he's not in Bethel, he's in Gilgal. If he just left Gilgal, well, then he's in Mizpah. Because every year, by circuit, that's what he does. Are you predictable? Have you mastered routine? It's boring. But it's the key to life. My sophomore year in college, I had a roommate. I was reminded of him during the leadership conference because his son was here. My roommate's name was V.K. Chirion. V.K. was about 40 years old as a Bible college student. He was from India. There were four of us in, this, in that room, Dean, Dave, V.K., and me, crammed in a little, little cloister room on the third floor of this building. It was hot, no air conditioning. Crammed in that room. And V.K. was from India. He was 40 years old. He had a wife, nine children. He left them and came to America to go to Bible college. Took him five years to get through Bible college. He was a pastor of a church in India. In fact, he was a pastor of several churches with a membership of thousands of people. But he had no training. Somehow he heard about the college and he came, left his wife and his children for five years. Never went home. Never called them. Didn't have cell phones. Landline phones are very expensive. In fact, my senior year, student body, we raised enough money for VK to call his wife. It's the only time you ever talked to her while he was in Bible college. He'd write letters almost every day. We never got to call her. It was extremely expensive. We raised almost $1,000 for that call. Because not only did we have to pay for the phone call, which was several hundred dollars for 25 minutes, but we had to get Mrs. Cherion to a phone. There were no phones in her village where he had his church. There, there were no phones. So we had to find somebody with a car, with a vehicle that could transport her almost 50 miles to get to a phone to even take this call. So we had to raise all this money for him to just call home. 
I remember as a sophomore hearing, you know, VK talk about his family and about his church. And he was a funny guy. He, he, he loved being in America. He loved some of the American customs. Of course, in India, they can't, they, they don't eat meat. You know, they don't eat beef. And of course, at school, we had beef a lot, you know, for different things. And we'd always ask Jerry, what's your favorite food? He'd go, holy cow, holy cow. <laughs> he loved holy cow. Uh, in India, it was holy, but it wasn't holy in America, so he could eat it. And Chirion put on a lot of weight. He got really fat. And if you tease him about it, he, he'd say, yeah, I'm seven months. I'm seven months. He'd stick out his stomach. Seven months pregnant, he'd say. He's a funny guy, delightful guy. VK got a job at a meat market. And he worked from about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And sometimes because they'd, they'd get in these these wild game and different things that people would shoot, and he'd have to process this meat, and, and sometimes they'd be really busy, and he'd work till 2 in the morning. Other times he'd get off at, at 11 or something like that, but he'd always come in after lights out. He'd always come in. We were already asleep. He'd come in, and he'd always bring us food. And this, this meat that he'd bring was always spicy, and it had a, quite an aroma to it, and he would come in, and he'd, 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 he'd shake us. You know, he'd, 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 he'd jostle our shoulder and then he'd put some sausage right under our nose. <laughs> and he'd say, wake up, we got to eat, you know. And uh, we, we'd say, Cheerio, just put, it on the, just put it on the dresser. I'll eat it tomorrow, you know, tired. No matter what time he came in, whether he came in at 11 or 12 or 1 or 2, at 4 a.m., 4 a.m., you knew where VK was going to be. Oh, you, you couldn't turn the lights on yet. Couldn't turn any lights on until five o'clock. You knew where VK was at four. He's on his knees next to his bunk. He had a prayer list that was pages long. Thousands of church members, his family, his country, and he would pray. We didn't know what he was praying because he'd always pray in some Indian dialect that we couldn't understand. But he'd be pouring out his heart to God. You know, it didn't surprise me last week when I saw his son, Sam, who pastors the church there now. It's not surprising that he's being faithful. Not surprising that work is still going on. Why? Because they had a pastor in those early days that had mastered the routine. He just was consistently routine. Can God depend on you every day? I know he can depend on you in the big days, the exciting days, the fun days. But can he depend on you in the routine? Can he count on you? There was a rooster that God could count on to crow at the right time. There was a whale that God could count on to be in the right place to swallow Jonah at the right time. There were some dogs that God could count on to be at the wall of Jezreel to eat the body of Jezebel, except for the palms of her hands and the palms of her feet, just as Elijah had prophesied would happen. There, there were some uh, uh, locusts that were faithful that God could count on to devour every green thing in Pharaoh's day. There was a, a son that was faithful to even stand still when God said, stop. Can God count on you? He counts on nature. He counts on everything he's created. And yet he gives us this ability to choose. And so often in the routine, we choose to lose our resilience. We choose to lose that faithfulness. 
Here was the characteristic of resilience, the characteristic of routine. The greatest ability may be dependability. And then we see finally the characteristic of reliance. Don't miss the last phrase here in verse 17. He comes back to Rama, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. And I think it's important for us to realize that while Samuel was routine, he was resilient, there was just nothing shaking this man, he's like that Wolverine that just keeps going, he, he, he has no glitches in his consistency, he's always there, he's always being faithful, people know where he's at, they know what he's doing, and yet in all of it, he's not relying on himself. He's reliant upon the Lord. Samuel, in all of his successes or failures or neither, realized the source of his power. He realized that what was going to make him great was not his ability or even his opportunity or lack of opportunity. His greatness was in the one who was empowering him. Young people, the longer you walk with God, the greater the temptation is to walk alone. The farther you get into a semester, the more you're going to think, I can, I can handle this. The farther you get into ministry, the more you're going to be tempted to think, I can do this on my own. The farther you walk with God, the more tempting it will be to walk by yourself. We get overconfident. Once we, we play a game or two, Cal Ripken could easily just relied upon his ability, upon his natural gifts. I was preaching in Baltimore one day, and I was preaching in the Christian school one morning, and I came down an elevator, and I, I walked off the elevator and right in step with Cal Ripken, Jr. I mean, he's walking down a hallway. I stepped off the elevator, and, and we're walking step for step down a hallway. And I'm thinking, that is Cal Ripken, Jr. He's 6'5". He's huge. Played shortstop. He's 6'5". He's just towering over me. And when I, when I came out of that elevator, our eyes met. He said, good morning. I said, hi. I'm like, you're Cal Ripken Jr. <laughs> I'm thinking, that's Cal Ripken Jr. He just said good morning to me. We're walking down this hallway, and, and he said something, I said something, he said something, I said something. We just kind of conversed. And all of a sudden, he took a left turn into a men's restroom and disappeared. And I just kept walking out the front door to my car. I got in my car, and I thought, I should have gone in the restroom. I should have asked him for an autograph. I told the pastor this story later in the day, and he said, you what? You, you what? You saw, nobody sees Cal Ripken. He doesn't make appearances. He doesn't sign autographs. You were that close, you didn't get an autograph? I said, eh, no. <laughs> I wasn't going to go in the bathroom and say, hey, can I have an autograph? No, yeah, it's just not appropriate. But you know, Cal Ripken, he had obviously some natural gifts. You could tell just by the way he carried himself that obviously he was a great athlete. He had some skills. He had some abilities. Nobody plays in the, in the major leagues for 21 years at that level for that long without some abilities, some skills, some, some, some things that are just natural. And every one, of in, every one of us in here, we have some natural ability that God has given us, but be careful. That's not where the source of power is. Your confidence cannot be in yourself. 
Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. These be the words unto Zerubbabel saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and they are life. For without me, you can do nothing. The second we rely on ourselves to succeed, we will fail. And the key to Samuel's life and the key to our lives is to be dependent, to be relying on the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding or thy own ability or thy own talent or thy own, thine own skill. Don't lean to your own understanding. And the longer you walk, the easier it is to, to lean on that instead of leaning on God. So I ask you this morning, how boring is your life? How boring is your life? And we're in that point of the semester where, okay, whew, been here a month, five weeks, leadership conference is over. Now we go into October, the doldrums, <laughs> you know, the dog days of the semester. There's no break. Are we ever going to get a day off? Got to go to class again, another test, another assignment, another project. Got to go to work, soul winning on Saturday, ministry on Sunday. Your, your life can get boring. But will you let God take the boring and beautifully bless it? That's what he did in Samuel's life. Samuel started walking with the Lord at a very early age. His mother Hannah prayed for a child told God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And no doubt, as a little boy, three, four years old, the Bible says as soon as he was weaned, Hannah takes him up to the temple, gives him to Eli. And Samuel is raised to church. He's raised in the temple. He lives in the temple. He never, he never experiences anything but the temple growing up. He's around the priest, Eli. He's around his sons. He's around the ministry. He's around the people coming to worship. It, it, it probably got a little boring. God chooses him to be a prophet, and Samuel faithfully serves as a prophet, but there's no big events. There's nothing really fantastic. I mean, nobody knew when Samuel went down and anointed David as the next king that that was really that big of a deal. We know now it was. It was a huge event. But at the time, Samuel, oh, hey, we need a new king. Let's go find one. Okay, that's him. Okay, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing huge. But every day, Samuel is resilient. He stays in his routine, and he's reliant upon God. And the Bible says, brethren, be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. You see, God can take the boring, and God can bless the boring. God can take that, 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 that tenacity to just stay in the battle. And when it's all over, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Thou hast been faithful over a few things. That's boring. A few things. That's it. This is all I get to do. But I'll make you ruler over many things. See, the best is yet to come. As you're faithful in the little, God will make you faithful in the much. Be faithful. Go to third hour. Try to stay awake. Go to lunch. Go to volleyball practice. Go to work. Study tonight. Go to missionary prayer band. Go to sleep. Wake up. Take a shower. Brush your teeth. Comb your hair. Go to class. Go to sleep. Go to class. Go to sleep. (laughs) The prize is out there. Get good at the boring.